I was raised as a Buddhist and I believe in karma and I believe in working hard to be a good person, but it was so hard. Real life starts now. This is Real Life Radio Show with On Lay. I felt alone. I felt lost. I felt scared. Real stories. I was so desperate in living such a dark and callous life. Real people. I was thinking there was no purpose for my life. There's no reason for me to be here. Real problems. I told my dad, if you try to take these drugs, I'm going to kill you. One solution, God. Hope is a person, and his name is Jesus. And now your host, On Lay. Hi, this is Evangelist Don Lay. Welcome to the Real Life Radio Show, where we're going to talk to real people who had real problems, but found answers in a real God. Today, we're going to be talking about the differences in Buddhism versus Christianity and compare and contrast them a little bit in order to understand the differences and why there are differences. Some people believe that Buddhism, Christianity, and all religions are basically all similar and has simply evolved to certain cultures and areas. Now, others say that they are too different to be seen as congruent. Today, we'll be interviewing Tony Tran, who grew up as a Buddhist, but then became a Christian, and says the two religions are completely different, and he is going to share with us why he feels that way. Tony, welcome to the show. Hello, how are you doing? Thank you for having me. Great, Tony. I'm so glad to have you on the show today. And I find this quite fascinating that you grew up in a very Buddhist environment and today you are a Christian. I think that could perplex a lot of people. Tell us a little bit about how you grew up in Vietnam. Describe what it was like growing up there. Yeah, that's a great question. So I grew up in a Buddhist family and, oh man, life wasn't easy back then because we were very poor. Mm. And because of that, I often see my parents pray to Buddha for wealth and protection. Mm. Yeah. So I grew up in a pretty big family. I have one brother and four sisters. One of my sister is very devote to Buddha. So at that time, I was seeing her consistently going to the temple every week to the point where she was telling us that she was dedicating her life to serving Buddha. Wow. And on top of that, day after day, I could see my dad, especially my dad. uh, We all pray in the family, but my dad, he would stand in front of a Buddha statue and just pray like for hours and meditate as well. So to me, everything in the house was was resolved around Buddha. I see Buddha statue everywhere, like in front of his office where he worked, around the house. Wow. So growing up, Buddha was like really in my face and it was all that I really know at the time. And you liked it. You weren't like against it or anything, right? No, I loved it because the fact that it almost ties into tradition too, because when you see your family invest so much time in something and like your whole family, like do it together, yeah. even at dinner time. So that was a big part of our life. Wow. I mean, I love the connection that we have. I love that we can, even though I never met Buddha or know much about Buddha, but see my family do so. I feel like by joining them in prayer, I can connect to a higher being. Interesting. So I understand you were told as a young child about the afterlife. Did you believe in what you were told wholeheartedly as a young man about reincarnation and stuff like that? Yeah, so I was introduced to karma at a pretty young age at the time. I think my parents start talking to me the meaning of karma when I was roughly around seven or eight years old. Mm. And this tied to the Buddha teaching. Of course, I believe in it wholeheartedly because I look up to my parents and I trusted them because they always tell me like they want the best for me. Yeah. So they taught me what I felt like I needed to know at the time. So what do they teach you? Like what, according to Buddhism, happens to you in the afterlife? So based on my understanding, the way that they taught me, it's a life cycle. 
And what I mean by that, it's a long journey, one life after the next. So to reincarnate literally means to incarnate again. Mm. Reincarnation is a rebirth into a new body of flesh and blood. Mm. Reincarnation referred to the process after death of a soul returning in a new body. So claims of remembering a past life imply reincarnations. Mm. So for example, if a person die, they will be evaluated on how they live in this life, how bad or good of a person they are, and they will reincarnate and return to earth. So my parents taught me that if I was to live a good life and be a good person, meaning helping others, not committing any crime, in my next life, I could be born into like a wealthy family and probably will have a easy life. Uh. But if I was a bad person in this lifetime, whatever I do now, I will have to repay it in my next life, like repay my debt. So you can imagine this process would go on and on. So wow. even at age 10, the question now is always wondering, like, is there ever an ending to this life cycle? Once you repay all your debt mm. and then what? So my parent would tell me that I would then reach a state of nirvana. So this state is very hard to achieve because it would pretty much mean you have to live a perfect life, like the final perfect life where you had paid all your debt in your previous life. And then once you reach that, you will be in a state of nirvana. Wow. So almost like a heaven state where there will be no more pain or suffering. Right. And potentially you can become, depending on how good of a life that you live, you can become Buddha yourself. Wow. So that basically made you try really, really hard to be a good person. And so what was your understanding of karma? How did this thought process carve how you lived on a day-to-day basis? Did it affect your friends, your family around you? Tell me a little bit how karma worked for you with this whole reincarnation thing. Yeah, absolutely. So karma to me was strictly based on work. That's the way my parents was teaching me at the time. I didn't pick up any book to read to get the real definition of it. But, you know, I Mm -hmm. trusted my parents and they simply explained to me it's strictly based on your work. You are the one that control your outcome. So whatever you put out, you will get back in return. That's just how the universe works. And Buddha is, of course, sitting in a high place Mm. watching you, watching your action, your behaviors, and they would record everything. So with that being said, there are pros and cons to this. This taught me to treat other well, treat other the way that you wanted to be treated. But on the other hand, it was very stressful because I was constantly worrying about living that perfect life where I can't afford to make any mistake if I didn't want to be reborn again and pay off all the debt that I committed in this current life. Yeah. So, (laughs) yes. No, that's tough. Yeah. Because like, if you're living your life, you can't make mistakes, you know? So, at this point, I understand that you were trying to seek out many different Buddhas when you were younger, was that in order to kind of get some type of grace or mercy or something? Or why were you doing that? Yeah. So the reason that people often pray to different Buddha is because there are more than one Buddha and each and every individual Buddha specialize in a certain department. Interesting. So for example, if I was sick and I was praying for healing and for health, then I have to call upon and pray to the Buddha that have control over that area. And let's say if I was praying for wealth, like let's say if I open up a brand new business and I want, you know, it to be thriving and successful, I need to also pray to a Pacific Buddha that is in control of that department for, for his blessing. I see. Basically, it was a form of worship where you're seeking these blessings 
in order to kind of help you out in life. Is that correct? That is correct. Just from living with my family and see how he would have different Buddha statue all over the house and he would come and pray to each one. Mm. And then also, this is very important because he always remind me, okay, praying is the first step. But then after that, when you receive the blessing, you got to make sure that, you know, you thank Buddha and you pray more and you also offer offering to the Buddha. Oh, wow. And the way that my parents did it was that they would buy a lot of expensive fruit and also like all kind of like exotic, expensive fruits. Like the more expensive, it seems like the better. And they would lay it all out in front of the Buddha statue to basically give thanks. Interesting. But you guys are poor. So that was a huge sacrifice. Yes, it was. I believe at the time my parents still went all out, even though we were poor, they spent a lot of money on offering. And I didn't mind it at all because every time my dad prayed, we would have like an awesome meal afterwards. So I didn't mind that part. (laughs) (laughs) Now, interestingly, Buddha never claims to be God, right? Traditionally, Buddha is never actually claims to be God, but it seems like Buddhists have this form of worship and to different Buddhas in order to get spiritual power. Why do you think this happens even though Buddha never claimed to be God, but then people almost treated like he was a God? What do you think about that? Yeah, that is correct. One of the many reasons why people may worship Buddha based on my understanding, even though they acknowledge that Buddha is not God, is that Buddha can still grant them favor, protection, wealth, and like many blessings. Tony, that's interesting. Let's stop there. Thanks so much for sharing with us. This is fascinating to hear. And I want to have you back on our next show to talk about how this began to change for you as you got older and you moved to America. All right. Sounds good. Awesome, man. Hang on. Let's talk more about what ancient writings say regarding karma and reincarnation right after the break. Hey, everyone. As an evangelist, I'm really into changing people's lives with a powerful message of the cross. Do you know people are getting set free from drugs, addictions, and internal anguish by the power of the Holy Spirit working through our show? Will you ask the Holy Spirit if He wants you to partner with us financially? Every donation will help us to reach 1 million more people. Think of it. 30 people giving $100 a month will bring this show in front of 1 million more people. Will you help me to get to one more city in the U.S.? You can give by going to awakenthenations.com. Real Life Radio is a ministry of Awakening the Nations, a 501c3 nonprofit organization that depends on your donations. If you would like to find out more about Awakening the Nations or make a tax-deductible donation, please visit our website at awakeningthenations.com or call us at 877-480-4477. That's awakeningthenations.com or 877-480-4477. More Real Life starts now. Welcome back to the show. We're going to go deeper into what you just heard. So what do you think about this? I think Tony's personal former life as a Buddhist is quite interesting, especially if we compare it and contrast it with Christianity. I mean, here you're hearing about Tony's belief in reincarnation, which is a belief in a cyclical pattern of life and life after death. Sort of this everlasting repeat on life. It's a very Buddhist and Hindu belief. And according to this idea, one must be enlightened and have enough good karma to escape the cycle to be truly liberated. You know, when I was younger, someone reasoned with me saying that reincarnation, there's evidence in nature, like the water cycle, the weather cycle, and other patterns that exist in our own world point to that cycle nature of life. Well, can I take a moment here? I was trained as a molecular biologist, and I just want to reason with you here. How do we know if the same thing applies to spiritual concepts as physical ones? You see, spiritual concepts transcends the physical realm. 
The physical realm is only the third and fourth dimension, but we truly know nothing beyond the fourth dimension of time and space. Mathematically, we know that there is a dimension outside of time called the fifth dimension, theorized by Einstein's theory of gravity. Now, this dimension, I believe, is spiritual. And just because there is a cyclical nature to the physical world, it doesn't necessarily mean that would apply to the spiritual realm or life after death. In ancient Bible texts, it says something quite different. It's written in Hebrews 9.27. And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment, according to ancient scriptures, there isn't a cyclical portion to eternity. It's linear. That man will only die once, not again and again and again. So how does one attain eternity then? It sounds like we need a savior because nobody can get it just right. Nobody can have enough karma to get into heaven because you have to be perfect. So Lord Jesus, we come to you. We realize that you lived a perfect life and that you took the punishment for our sins, for our mess ups. You died on the cross for us so that we could have and attain heaven So for anyone who's maybe thinking about reincarnation or wondering, we forsake those things in Jesus' mighty name. I hope you're blessed by this testimony, and I know that your life was touched. If you have a testimony to share or know someone who does and would like to share it on our show, go to awakeningthenations.com and click Guest Audition on the top menu. See you next time.